You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. I want to minister to you a message on better days. It's not a message that most people are preaching right now. But I'm going to show you in the scriptures how you can have full confidence that your future is going to be bright. And you're all going to have your day in the sun. When God's blessings will shine on your family, your finances, your health. I'm going to show you in the word how to do that. And to give you a reference to start with. And you can write this down. In Job 42, verse 10 and 12, we see the story of Job. And in the story of Job, we, we see when God turned his problem into a blessing. In Job 42, verse 10, it says that Job prayed for his friends and God restored all of his losses. And then it says, and indeed... God gave him double for all that he had lost. And then when you look down in verse 12, it says he received double. Say double. Now, we know the story of Job is very unique because Job was not just an ordinary individual. He was highly blessed. I don't know if you studied the scriptures, but it says when Satan came before God to accuse uh, Job before God, he said, you put up a hedge in every area in his life. He had a hedge on his family. He had a hedge on his finances. He had a hedge in his body, his health. He had an ed a hedge that was put up around his business, those who worked for him, the land that he owned, the animals in it. There was a hedge everywhere. Satan took down those hedges. And when God restored him, he made him twice as blessed as he was before. And the way he was before was exceptionally blessed. In Ecclesiastics 7, 8, it says this, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. Say it with me, the end of the matter is better than the beginning. God intends for you tonight to know that your best days are yet to come. The blessing of God for the church is not going to diminish. We're not going to end with little. We're going to end with a lot. We're going to end with a bunch. We're going to end with great blessings. And I'm going to show that to you in Scripture. Because right now in America, it just seems like everything's dark and gloomy. Everything's, you know, terrible. And we are going through some hard times. But with every mountain, once that's removed, it's going to be a day in the sun. And I want you to get your faith up for it. And I'm going to show you in Scripture how you exactly, scripturally, can get yourself in a, in a position where you can have all confidence that the best days are yet to come. Are you with me tonight? Come on, turn to somebody and say, my best days are yet to come. All right. Turn with me, if you would, over Je Jeremiah chapter 29. And I want to look at a, a familiar verse. I'm going to show it to you in the Old Testament, and then I'm going to show it to you in, uh, the, the concept of it in the New Testament. It says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon. In other words, after judgment has occurred because of the sins of the people, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Now watch this. For I know 
the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and, and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, hallelujah, praise God. Now I want you to see the context here. The context implies that once this season of judgment is over, God wanted to know, okay, my mind towards you is this. I, I want to give you a future and a hope. Now here's the good news. That was the Old Testament under the law. In the New Testament, judgment has already come on our Savior, Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus was judged for every conceivable sin that man would ever commit in their life. And he was judged for it so that we would not be judged for it. That's why in 1 John chapter 4, 17 and 18, it says this. It's, it talks about the perfect love of God that God has bestowed on us. And it says that love gives us boldness at the day of judgment. Why? Because Jesus was judged for us. And then it says, our, the famous verse, as he is, so are we in this world. And then he goes down and says, perfect love cast out fear. And fear has to do with punishment. In other words, there's no punishment. And so he's showing us in the text that we can have all confidence concerning judgment. We don't have to be concerned about the great white throne judgment if Jesus is our Lord. We'll have a judgment seat with Christ, but that judgment seat is never a judgment of punishment. It's a judgment of rewards. Some will receive more rewards and other people will receive rewards. So as for you right now here in this place, whether you've had a good week or a bad week, whether you've been backsliding or whether you've been following God, if Jesus is Lord of your life, God has a future and a hope for you. You're going to have to use your faith. But if you use your faith, you can expect to have better days in your life. You can expect to have your day in the sun. You can expect to prosper. You can expect to be healed. You can expect to have your family serve God. You can expect to have God's favor on what you're doing in your life. You can expect that. Come on, give God praise. I tell you what, get excited about it. This is really rich, and I believe it will bless you. There are three groups of people in the body of Christ right now. The first group are those people who are, have more faith in what the devil does than they do in what God has done. When they talk about end times, they say, we're in the, we're in the last of the last days, and things are going to be bad and horrible and all that. In other words, they magnify sin. But always remember, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And God said, where sin abounds, grace does much more. Sin will never outdo God. God's blessings will outdo sin. And always remember that love will always overcome evil in the world that we live in right now. And God has a blessed future for us. So you've got a lot of people that are well-meaning, they're well-meaning, but they magnify the power of Satan. We've all seen it. Come on, before you met Christ, you went and saw those demon movies, right? You know, and you see the priest get killed, and when he's trying to cast the devil out, he's thrown out of a window and all that. That's just the devil. The reality is when you walk in with the Holy Ghost, 
demons are terrified. They are not, come on, man. They're not throwing you out of any window. You're throwing them into the lake of fire. Come on, say amen, everybody. So that's one group. The other group, which I'm a little bit more negative about, is they're the wait-and-see group. Well, let's just wait and see, Pastor. I've been looking at the news reels and all that, and I know how bad things really are. So it's kind of wait and see. Well, they're not in faith. They're just waiting and seeing what will ever happen. And then the last group is our group. We're the group that does what Jesus said. Jesus said, occupy till I come. It's a business term. It means to make money and prosper. It means to buy more land. It means to expand yourself. It means to reach out. It means to dominate. That's what it means to occupy till Jesus comes back. And I believe tonight that's exactly what God wants you to do. He wants you to be the person that says, All right, Lord, you said it was your good pleasure to give me the kingdom. And you said to pray that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now that I'm born again, the kingdom of God is within me. So let's get to reigning. Let's get to believing. Let's get to changing things. Let's transform the culture that we're in by the gospel of freedom that we have. Amen. amen. Said amen. And so I believe there's those three groups, but I believe the group that I'm associated with, and you should be too, is the group that believes. I love what David said. I understand David had his problems in the Old Testament. But I love his spirit. He said this. He said, if I didn't believe that I would see the goodness, God, the goodness of God in the land of the living, I would give up. I would throw in the towel if I didn't believe that God would bless me here in this life. I just can't help but believe that. Amen? Now, let me give you something here at this point that I believe is one of the major reasons why people are not believing God for better days and why there's such negativity in the world that we see today. It's an issue that affects every part of your Christianity. I heard a story about a, a young man. He went to the doctor, and he went to the doctor... And he said, the doctor said, how can I help you? He says, well, I'm hurting everywhere. And he said, what do you mean everywhere? I said, yeah, every part of my body hurts. He said, show me. So the guy took his finger and touched his forehead. Oh, that hurts. The doctor says, well, touch your nose. Touch, oh, that hurts. He said, well, touch your chest. He touched, oh, that hurt. Touch your stomach. Oh, that hurt. Touch your leg. Oh, that hurts. And then the doctor looked closely. He says, you idiot. Your finger's dislocated. And there's people in the church that are hurting everywhere. They're hurting everywhere. You know why they're hurting everywhere? Because in the trial they went through in their life, they allowed Satan to get a foothold in their life, and they're offended at something. As soon as you become offended... And you'll always be tempted with that. I mean, everybody's going to get offended, but not everybody stays offended. If you stay offended, your faith will not create better days. Job, his friends 
literally threw him under the bus when you read those chapters of what they said about Job. They literally threw him under the bus. They literally discredited him for days. And you know, the captivity of Job wouldn't turn around until Job prayed for his stupid friends. I'm not saying some of your friends are dumb. I'm just saying that if you want to expect better days, you got to be able to let it go and reach for the things that lie ahead. you got to be able to forget about the people that took advantage of the people that lied to you, the people that took it. And I'm, not talk, I'm talking about politics. I don't care what it is. got to let it go. If you don't, you're going to get stuck. Here's what Jesus said about offended people that stay offended. He said that they'd be handed over to the torture, and that can't be good. And that means they would be imprisoned, and they would be allowed to be tortured until they paid the last price. That sounds to me like demonic activity that's allowed in their life because they wouldn't forgive, and they wouldn't forget the wrongs that were done to them. How many know that if you're in prison, you're not free? There is no future when you're in prison. The future comes when you get out of prison. So I'm just I'm starting with that. I know it gets a little quiet when I preach about this because maybe you got burned by a husband or wife. Maybe you're one of those extreme on the far left or extreme right, and you're mad at this person and that person and the president and everybody else, which we have the right to get angry, but don't stay angry. Don't let it go. And keep walking in love. And realize that love overcomes evil. Amen? I said love overcomes evil. So you, we cannot afford to stay offended in our lives. Anytime you're reaching for success, you're going to have somebody jealous. Anytime you accomplish something, someone's going to want what you got. I had, I've had people get mad at me. When I teach on marriage, because I talk about how good my marriage is. You'll always have that. Come on, you, you grandmas. Your grandkids are the best in the world, right? Someone that's got little brat kids, they'll be jealous of you because you've got better kids than you got. But we've got to walk the way Jesus walked. You know, I think about Jesus on the cross, his disciples, even John. All of them turned from him. And yet after the resurrection, he didn't say, guys, sit down, I'm offended. Why, why didn't you stick with me through this thing? Why didn't you do that? He didn't do that. You know why? Because it's the love of God. We got to love people. We got to let things go. We got to keep moving towards the vision and dreams that God has called in our life and not let us get trapped by the offenses of the past. They will cripple your faith. Let it go. Don't write a book about it. Bury it. Forget about it. Move forward. Keep loving Jesus. Your best days are yet to come. God's called you for a better life, but you can't afford to carry baggage from the past. And if you got to talk about it all the time, you're offended. If you got to talk about it all the time, you're offended. If you got to talk about it all the time, 
you're offended. Let me say it again. If you've got to rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it, you're offended. If you can't, if you got to remember all the details, you're offended. You've got to let it go right now, praise God, in Jesus' name. Let it, let, let it go. Let it go. And love the person. And quit being offended about things that you have nothing to do with. What you did before you came with Christ is no longer relevant. That old person's gone. Well, they did this to me when I grew up. I was raped as a child. When I, you're not that person anymore. You're a new creation. Anyway, I don't want to get too caught up in this, but I wanted you to see that. Now, look at this verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Listen to what Peter says. For he who would love life, <laughs> I like this, see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. How many would like to just enjoy life? Just get up in the morning and say, this is the day the Lord has made and it's raining out and still have a happy day. How, how many would just enjoy going to work on Monday and coming home that night? You know, you are getting a little quiet here tonight. I, I know I'm shaking your chain a little bit, but I want you to see this. It's all wrapped up in the basics and the basics is your mouth. If you can get your mouth in line with the word, it creates joy in your life. It creates happiness in your life. When we were started out in ministry, all the neighbor kids came to our house. All of them. They came from down the street, and they would clean me out of pop. And they, they were everywhere. Why? Because there was no fighting in the house. There was happiness in the house. There was joy in the house. They just wanted to be around a family that wasn't at odds with each other. You got to love life. In your neighborhood, you should be the top dog. You should be the one to go, boy, if we want to have a peaceful evening, let's go over to your house. Should be that way. But what cripples us is not our salvation. What cripples us is our mouth that nullifies our salvation. I'm going to show you some verses I've taught before, but I'm going to show it to you in a little different light. James 3, look at this. My brethren, let, us, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that she'll receive stricter judgment. In other words, when you teach the word, you influence people, so God puts a higher standard on you on how you live because you are communicating truth to everyone. And you know the truth better than most people because that's what you do. And then he goes on. For we all stumble in many things. And if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. Circle the word perfect. It's telling us it means mature. In other words, if you can control what you say out of your mouth, you can become a mature man, able to watch it, to rattle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouth that we may obey us, and we turn their whole bodies. Look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, whatever the pilot desires. Now, what I want you to see is this. For years in the church, the idea of maturity was, okay, if you've been saved a long time, you're mature. The Bible doesn't teach that. You can be saved for 50 years and act like a baby Christian. 
What determines if you're going to be mature or not is how seriously you take what comes out of your mouth. If you just say what you feel, if you just say what you think, if you just are responsive to your emotions, you're not a mature Christian. But if you've trained yourself and you rely on the Holy Spirit to help you govern what you're believing for, then you'll train yourself and you'll grow and you'll develop spiritually in your life. I remember I had a worship leader and he was a pastor. And I told him this verse. I said, you're not mature. He got all mad. I said, you're motor mouth. You gossip all the time. Till you get that right, you're just a baby that should be mature. Say amen, everybody. Doesn't everybody want to work for Pastor Jack? Amen. But I believe we need to live up to a certain standard. And if we're slipping, let's go back to it. Now, in verse 8, an interesting thing is said about the tongue. Put it up on the screen. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. What do you, now, wait a minute. If no one can tame the tongue, then why does the Bible tell us in chapter 1 that if you don't bridle your tongue, your religion is useless? Which is it? If we can't tame it, no, you can't tame it, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can. Amen? I love what James says, and, and this is for the men here particularly. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. What is the accusation that most women give about their husband? He doesn't listen to me. It's all right. No one's going to get offended tonight because of the truth I just preached. He said, that's right, pastor. That's right. Preach it to him. Preach it. But it is something, you can do it on the side of a woman too. Some women just won't shut up. They won't listen. Amen? They start chattering, won't stop. Stop, stop, please stop, 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 stop. But here's the key to this thing. If you try to do it through natural means, you'll have a little bit of success, but never totally dominate it. You know, put the rubber band around your hand every time you say a negative thing, snap yourself. There's a little bit of value to that, but I'm talking about the only way that you're able to bridle your tongue, and that's the Holy Spirit. And so if you become aware of the Holy Spirit and you're in a conversation, particularly if someone is offended with you and you're talking with that individual, you're listening inside, Lord, let me say the right things, let me say it in the right way, and then here's the other clincher. When you stand in faith for anything, whether healing, whether to get your bills paid, whether to get a promotion, soon as you find the will of God concerning that situation and you stand in faith for it, then you got to make sure that you don't sabotage what you had faith for when you confessed it earlier, or as in King James Version, professed it professed what you believe and the Holy Spirit can help you do that. The Holy Spirit can, you can sense that unction in the Spirit. Say, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. Don't say you're not, gonna, not getting any better. 
Don't say that you're not going to recover. Don't say I'm never going to get past this wage increase. Don't say it. Don't say it. And if you respond to the Holy Spirit, there's always power in it. So what we need to do is believe in faith, confess what we believe, and then make sure we don't nullify it by things we say when we feel fear or feel a negativity in our lives. Like you're in church, let's say you're trying to lose some weight. And you go, all right, I can do all things through Christ. I can go on that diet. Yes, Jesus. Whew. I can do it. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start doing this. I can do all things through Christ. And then Monday comes. You worked all day. You're tired. It's time to go to the gym. And you say this. I'm so tired, man. I don't think I can do this. And you just nullified what you had faith for. You hear it with people all the time with diets. They start out, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. Praise God, I got it. One day later, two days later, I'm so hungry I could eat an elephant. Have you ever eaten an elephant? And you start saying things that nullify the faith that you had that you could lose the weight. So what we need is the Holy Spirit to help us, and we start out. Because, you know, and, and this is very scriptural from the, from the Bible. If you remember the story of the man that his son had a demon, and he'd throw him into the water and in the fire. Remember, the disciples couldn't cast the devils. They brought him, he brought him to Jesus. And he said this, Lord, if you can help us, if, 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 if. If you can help us, help us. And you know what Jesus said? If. I'm going to paraphrase it. You, you saying if God can help you? Come on, man. If you can believe, all things are possible. That's how Jesus responded. What did he say? I believe. Help my unbelief. That was just enough that God could get in and do something. But he couldn't do something as long as he was in the ifs. Had to get into faith. It's easy to be in church and say the right things. It's another story when you're outside of church, you had a rough day, your emotions are high, you're a little discouraged, and you want to say what your fear says. You want to say what your doubt says. That's when you need the Holy Ghost. Father, I don't want to blow this. I need this promotion. Help me. Holy Spirit, help me to embrace the word that you said will work. I'm a tither. I'm a tither. You said you would, you'd give me so much, I wouldn't have room enough to contain it. Lord, I, I'm, and I'm not going to say that I don't have enough. And you said you'd be the devourer. I'm not going to say that the devourer is not being rebuked. And I'll tell you, if you can get a habit of doing that, you will not only control your emotions, but you'll control the course of your life. Two examples. The horse is about your body. The ship is about your destination. And think about this for a minute. The rudder of a ship, where is it? Where is it located, the rudder of a ship? It's located on the stern or the back of the boat. If you're not a sailor, it's the stern. But why is it in the stern and why do they put the the wheel that controls the rudder in the back. Why did they put it up front? 
Because the mechanism that runs the rudder, you don't have to go as far if it's closer to the back. So it's easier to control the rudder. Here's my point. The blessings and the curses are closely connected to the words that you say. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those that love it shall eat its fruit thereof. So when I'm thinking about controlling my destiny, I know I set my course by what I say. Now, obviously, the way I think will determine what I say, but it is activated by what I say. We're going to have this house paid off before our 30-year mortgage is up. We're going to retire with more than enough and plenty left over. Now, I wouldn't do that unless you've been in the scriptures and you found God's will. Just because you say something good doesn't mean it's going to happen. But if you find it in the word, because faith comes from the word, and then you begin to declare it, as long as you don't vary from that declaration, you'll stay on course. I don't care how big the storms are. The reality is Job probably thought when he was going through the storm, things could never get better, 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 better. In fact, he was rather suicidal in the beginning. But he woke up to it, repented, prayed for his friends, and God turned everything around. Same thing that he would do for you. Amen? And remember what Jesus said. He said, if you abide in the truth, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So don't say, Pastor, I've heard that before. I know that. No, you don't know it until you abide in it. And if you know it and you abide in it, it'll set you free. If it hasn't set you free, then obviously you haven't abided in it long enough. In other words, if you're up at night, all night worrying, then obviously you haven't abided in this truth long enough. Or it would have set you free and you wouldn't be worrying. No condemnation. But sometimes we need to get back to the basics and practice what we preach. Jesus said concerning worry, say not. Say not. What you shall eat and what you shall eat. said if you keep doing that, the kingdom of God is not going to provide for you because your faith is too small. That's what the Bible teaches. And you know, when you study scripture, I want to give you three references. But the Bible's full of times that it says not to say something. You remember the prophet Jeremiah? Many of you don't know this, but Jeremiah was actually, they estimate, when he started his prophetic ministry, he was somewhere between 13 and 16 years old. Now you can imagine, in his time, his culture, he'd be considered a boy not a man. And God's called him not just to be a local pastor or a local prophet, but a prophet to the nations. Wow. And he kept saying, I'm too young, I'm too young, I'm too young, I'm too young, I'm too young. And God spoke to him and said, stop saying it. Because if he would have kept saying it, he would have prevented his ministry from happening. I wonder how many things we say that prevents our ministries from happening. Another example in Scripture in Ecclesiastics, it says this. Don't say that the former days are better than the present days. Don't say it. Why? Because you'll never change the present into the better days if you're still talking about what was in the past. Your faith won't work. So don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. 
James said this, half-brother of Jesus. He said, don't say that when you are tempted, you are tempted of God. God cannot be tempted. Why did he say that? Because he, re- he goes on in the next few verses and says, all good, perfect gifts come from above, from the Father of lights. It has no shifting of shadows. In other words, you're going to rob yourself of God's perfect will if you keep saying the wrong thing about God. I remember a lady one time, she was upset and she was blaming God. And she said, God told me to marry him. God is not the one that brought the divorce. His action and your actions is probably what brought the divorce. God didn't lead you for, to a divorce, but she was stuck in that. Her future could not work as long as she's blaming someone. So there's a lot of things we can't say. Never say, I wonder if we should have gotten married. Never say, I wish we hadn't had children. Never say, I don't know about this Jesus. There's some things you never, should never say. The divorce word should never be talked about in a marriage. Come on. What God has joined together, let no man put it under. But pastor, you don't realize who I'm married to. Pastor, I'm married to this antichrist husband. I'm telling you what the word says. If you're married, don't break it apart. Work it out. God's power is bigger and more powerful than the problems that you're facing in your life. And sure, you can divorce him. And if you've been divorced, God can reboot. But don't do it. If you're here tonight, don't you do it. You keep loving that person. You keep walking in faith that person. And God will turn them into a saint. Okay, I can tell we're just really excited about that. And just, all right, remember this message, you can't get offended because it's a message about not being offended. Amen. Okay, look at these verses and and write these down. Proverbs uh, 21, verse 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? A psychologist called this the law of attraction. Whatever you predominantly think about, you attract. If you constantly think about negativity, you attract a lack of opportunity. If you think positive, you're going to attract positive things. Here's the verse for it. Now look at the next one, Proverbs 10, 19, what it says. In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. He who restrains his lips is wise. In other words, if you just rattle off at your mouth and keep going and going and going and going and going and going and going, you're going to say things you regret. If you have a problem in your marriage, please do not stay up all night talking to your husband about it when he's got to get up the next day to go to work. Amen. All right, let me switch gears a little bit here because you're getting mean with me here. I'm sure this is for someone else, nobody in the church here because you guys got it all together. Amen. I'm only saying this because this is a key to making things work. And always remember this, that the promises of God are for everybody. It's not like the lottery. People buy a lottery ticket, you know, one out of what, three or four million get it. The promises are not like that. Some churches teach it that way. Well, it must have not have been God's will. But what do the scriptures say? I'm going to show you, just I'm going to preach it to you, that God left signs in the word to prove that the promises are for everybody. Remember when God delivered Israel out of Egypt? 
it says there was not one feeble person among them. That means nobody was with walkers going through the Red Sea. No one was in a wheelchair. Nobody was handicapped. Nobody needed to be carried on a plaque or, you know, on a bed thing or whatever. Everybody was healed. Why? Because he wanted you to know that the Lamb of God, which is Jesus, provides for everybody, not just some. In fact, it says that they spoiled the Egyptians. That means that, that scholars vary on how many people there was. Somewhere between three to four million people. But all of those three or four million people were millionaires when they left. Because they spoiled the Egyptians of their wealth. They took their wealth. That's why they had the golden lampstand. They had wealth. They were millionaires when they left Egypt. And then when they went into the land, they became millionaires with loads and loads of acreage. Think about that. That's why Jesus talked about the year of Jubilee. That was something God instigated. But he instigated because the people started with everything. See, if you ever study the year of Jubilee, what it simply means is this. God laid down this precedence where on the 50th year, the Jubilee is seven years, seven times, which is 49 years. But on the 50th, if you had managed your money incorrectly and you had to sell yourself into slavery to pay your debt off, on that 50th year, you were freed from your slavery. If you had to put your land up to help pay your mortgage or the debts that you had, uh, that all returned to you. So every 50 years, everyone received back the riches they had received when they came out of Egypt. When you got saved, you received the riches of Christ. There's not a poor person in this church if Jesus is your Lord. There's not a person in here that has not been blessed with every spiritual blessing in your life. And God has called every one of us to those blessings. But it's going to take faith, appropriation of it. But spiritually, you have everything that you need. And that's why in scriptures you, you see verses like in Matthew 8, 17. It says, this was fulfilled. And then it says, himself took up our infirmities and bore away our sicknesses. Here's the context. It was an evening. It was the Sabbath. All these people came. And Jesus healed everyone there, which he didn't always do. But this time he did. Why? It was to fulfill. It was a sign that pointed to the fact when he went to the cross, he died for everyone's sins as well as everyone's sicknesses. Amen? Amen. So when you look in the word, it really takes out the question, does God really want to bless me? He really does. I said he really, really, really does. Now, let me close with this verse. Put it on the screen. Last verse. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, we welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is truth, the word of God. Now, watch how this is written. Which also effectively 
works in you who believe. In other words, if you believe, it effectively works in you. If you believe, it effectively works in you, if you believe. So if it's not effectively working in you, then you stop believing. Are you listening to me? Now, this is the, this is the power in this. This means you get to choose how much effectively works in you. Healing will effectively work in you if you believe. Prosperity will effectively work in you if you believe. Good families will work in you if you believe. In other words, the word wants to work through you, but the condition is you must believe. If you believe, in other words, you're the one that chooses how much God blesses you. You do. God's already decided to bless you, but the belief system is what makes the difference. That's why I say the best days are yet to come if you choose to believe. And you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night anyway unless you really chose to believe. So I believe that you're gonna, your good days are coming because you're choosing to believe. But if you ever went into one and the waiter says, sit right here, and I'll bring you what I think you should eat. You've got to pay for it, but I'll bring it. Ever have a waiter do that? No. You decide what you're going to eat. I'm getting steak and a bug. I'm getting a salad with shrimp on it. You decide. You decide. You decide. You decide tonight what you're going to receive. In fact, this is taught in the Old Testament. When they were right on the borders of the promised land to go in, God said, I said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life. The Hebrew word choose means the best part. The best part. The best part. He says, I want you to choose the best part, not the worst part, the best part. If someone said, listen, I want you to, I'm going to pay for your vacation. You go to this hotel and whatever room you want, you take it. I'm all expenses paid. I'm doing the whole thing. When you got there, are you going to get a room that is an oceanfront? No. Are you going to get a room that's small? No, you're going to say, where's the presidential suite? Where's the room with the, with the grand piano in it? Where's the, where's the one dignitary stay in? You would choose that, wouldn't you? That's what God tells the people. Choose life. The best part. Come on, give God praise. The best part would be a full quiver. A full quiver of kids. This, this is just, I'm preaching this, baby. It's over for us. That's it, that's it. Full quiver, seven kids. Stand to your feet, everybody. Praise God. Woo, I'll tell you what, I believe God loves you so much. God's going to bless you coming and going. You're going to have some great days coming in your life, overflowing days in your life. The best is yet to come. You're just starting to see something great in your life. Don't be discouraged. I know we're in hard times. I know things are difficult, but you keep expecting the best. Lord, I'm believing, I'm trusting, and I'm receiving for you. Just close your eyes right now as we pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for stirring us up showing us, Lord, your goodness is so good to us. 
Lord, I know we've had lots of good reasons to doubt, but we've got even, even better reasons to believe. Believe for great marriages. Marriages where wives are virtuous women, our husbands are just like Christ in the church, leaders, true leaders. Our children grow into mighty men and women of God. The ones that take that character of Jesus take it into their careers and take it into their school systems and take it into all that. Father, thank you so much. Father, release your blessing right now. Let your people see it, Lord. No matter how discouraged they are, Father, let them dare to believe. Let them see beyond the pain, beyond the difficulty. Let them believe. Father, I thank you for it. Tonight in this service, if you've not made Jesus Lord of your life, is a great opportunity to do so. There's no reason to wonder whether or not you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. There's no reason to wonder whether or not you're going to have better days. If you make him Lord of your life, you believe, you got insurance. That God will take everything that throws at you. But you got to make him Lord of your life. Not play church, not play Jesus, but have a real relationship with him. If that's you tonight, put your hand up to heaven right now. Let me pray for you. Wave at me and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to know that Jesus. If you're watching me online and want to make that decision, text Jesus to us. 859-0832. That's Jesus. 859 That's Jesus. 859-0832. Father, bless your people abundantly tonight. Father, prepare us for Sunday. Let your glory fall. Let the anointing be strong in the band with all of our workers. Father, let your power and your healing power be present throughout the church. And Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a great night. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.